0: Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining me again on the Second Drafts podcast. We are glad to do these each month and have had some really fun guests, some really interesting things to talk about, hot topics, as well as just some real foundational kinds of things. I hope you've been able to listen to those and enjoy them. Today, we've got a special guest I'm really excited um, to uh, have with us. I think it's going to be a fun conversation Uh, Kind of a different world for me, certainly, and uh, I grew up in the Midwest. I know the West fairly well as I've lived out here, but I haven't spent a lot of time on the East Coast, and my guest today is Joe Pravitz, who is a retired New Jersey police officer, former detective, uh, CSI forensic-like kind of guy. Uh, He's the guy who would have gone in after a crime scene or at a crime scene and figured out... What was going on here? Uh, And the reason I had Joe on and thought about him coming on is because we live in a time where, whether it's the cries of defund the police to the critiques of why law enforcement doesn't do more to stop mass shootings, it's a hard time to be an officer of the law. And I thought that in this podcast, Peaches and I would interview Joe, who I go to church with at Trinity Church. Uh, Joe spent 30 plus years as a policeman as a detective in New Jersey uh, before retiring, eventually to Montana. He's been here in Montana for about 10 years. And so we talk about Joe's experience um, as a man in blue and, and just get his thoughts on so much of what's going on in our culture, certainly in the element or the area of law enforcement. And also I think his testimony is, uh, is gonna be something that you're gonna wanna hang around for and, and enjoy. So Joe, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. We're glad to, uh, to have you. Now, for those of you who, who probably will notice, uh, J- Joe being from New Jersey, he has the classic New Jersey accent. So uh, that's one of the glories of uh, this particular podcast. I know I'm pretty bland and uh, milquetoast to listen to, but uh, uh, Joe is the real deal. Now, tell me where you grew up, Joe. You grew up
1: I grew up in uh, uh, North North Jersey, Northeast Jersey, uh, probably about twenty to twenty-five miles out of the uh, uh, New
0: York City. Okay, and what was it like? That, what was it like growing up in New Jersey? What was New New Jersey like then?
1: Well, it was uh, an interesting place to live, uh, as you know, or as you may not know, uh, New Jersey is uh, probably the <clears throat> most densely populated state in the. Uh, hmm. In the in the union, and uh, it's interesting that I then moved to Montana, which was well, uh, just about the, the opposite. The opposite, the right. lowest uh, population. Um, so it was uh, crowded, traffic. Uh, we spent a lot of time at the Jersey Shore uh, in the summer. Um, played. Uh, Played games in the streets uh, when we were younger. Uh, and uh, just about enjoyed uh, everything that some some kid in Montana might enjoy.
0: Hmm. Just with a little more of an audience, maybe.
1: Probably a lot more of an audience, <laughs> yes.
0: Now, th- you were growing up, we're talking 1950s? Yes. Uh, okay. Uh,
1: 1950s, uh, when and graduated from high school in 1960. Okay,
0: who were some of your friends? Who were the people you were hanging out with then?
1: Oh, I had a a group of friends, uh, neighborhood friends mostly. Uh, We did a lot of things together, uh, played baseball, football. We all belonged to uh, local uh, uh, baseball leagues Mm -hmm. and and things like that. Um, We played sandlot football Stickball in the streets. Now, yeah, who, was.
0: who was your team? Who was your baseball team?
1: Oh, it was the it was a town that I lived in, and they had a local uh, uh, a local team. Uh, but I
0: mean, who was your your major league team that you rooted for? Oh, oh, it was the Yankees, of course. Oh, it was the Yankees. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it wasn't the Mets.
1: No, no, no? I think uh, you know I don't I remember that far back. I think. Uh, the Mets weren't even. in Oh yeah, existence they probably <laughs> would have. They wouldn't have been there yet. Yeah. So. Uh, and then of course the the, the Giants were there. And uh, okay, there you uh, go. Yeah, the Giants. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, the Giants played in a place called Ebbets Field in, mm-hmm. in New sure. York, and then it's, that's gone. Yeah. Uh, and.
0: Uh, Do you get back to New Jersey much?
1: In fact, uh, no. But I did get back uh, just a month ago. I was back
0: in okay. New Jersey. Uh, and before. how was that?
1: Well, took a little trip uh, to uh, Boston to uh, see uh, some of my wife's uh, relatives and friends and just to see Boston because I've never been there. Oh, and, okay. And uh, she wanted to show me around her old neighborhood and mm-hmm. things like that. And then uh, we spent uh, about a week there and then we flew down to Newark and uh, spent a week with my family in uh, in uh,
0: New Jersey. What you what you think of your your stomping grounds?
1: Oh, she's been there before, okay. and uh, uh, we stayed with my sister. Uh, I guess you might say a, an old neighborhood house, and mm. it's kind of cramped. And mm. we <laughs> we uh, we managed to uh, uh, to get around okay, but uh, we were used to a little more space.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, so Joe, tell me a little bit about. Your career in law enforcement—you—you um, kind of got into it maybe a little backwards. <laughs> Is that a good way of saying? Yes. It? <laughs> yes. Explain a little bit of how you came to be a, had, a police uh, officer.
1: I got married and moved to a, a town in uh, a suburban town in uh, New Jersey, um, where my wife formerly lived, and uh, while I was living there. Uh, there was a, I heard about an opening for a policeman, a police officer, uh, in that town. I was 22 years old. Okay. I had a go nowhere job. Uh, I wasn't happy with uh, with what I was doing. What were you doing? I was working for the uh, for the gas the gas company. Okay. Uh, laying down gas pipes and uh, repairs and things like that. Uh, it wasn't something that I wanted to continue doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I found this opening in the police department and I applied and they accepted me. And uh, and I started uh, working there. Uh, it was late 66. Um, worked there for, for a, a, a couple of months before they sent me to the police academy. Mm. Now this is unusual today because uh, it's usually done the other way around. Okay, you go to the police academy, uh, and then you're maybe hired by a police department. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't have a lot of training beforehand. Uh, in fact, uh, the chief gave me a the day I started. He handed me a gun and said, "You know how to use this?" <laughs> so well, I was in the army. I I think I, I can handle it, and he said, uh, "Well, so my training, uh, basically, with the with the with the handgun, was uh, don't shoot anybody unless you're bleeding. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't happen that way anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> but this was uh, what, 1966, 67, thereabouts,
0: yeah. you know. And then, and then they sent you to the academy, but. I mean, it sounds like you already knew. What what, what was the new stuff that the academy taught you? Oh, well, about? then
1: in the academy, then we studied uh, actual firearms training. <laughs> okay, so you actually had some. We well, <laughs> yeah, had okay. some firearms training. We went to a range. We had a an instructor, uh, criminal law, first aid. Uh, oh, I can't even think of all the classes <laughs> that we had. But it was a regular, uh, oh, how to handle... Uh, uh, people, how to how to deal with people, mm. uh, how to have empathy, and so on. Mm. Uh, uh, just about, uh, you know, arson investigation, all that, all that sort of
0: thing. Okay. Uh, so it was very. It sounds like it, it was pretty general, pretty broad in terms of trying to cover a little bit of everything. A little
1: bit of everything, uh, and then we were supposed to go back to our police departments and continue um, on the job mm-hmm. training.
0: Now you were you were a policeman. You were on patrol for the first what eight to ten years. I think you yes, said yes.
1: I was, and uh, I I wasn't too happy with it. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I knew there would be shift work, but man, working those night shifts, hmm. midnight to eight in the morning. Oh wow. it's uh, it was it was a whole different ball game. Uh, trouble. I mean, I I have trouble sleeping now, but I'm I'm old. Uh, but even then, uh, we knew there was uh, this wasn't normal hmm. to work around the clock. But that was the job. Was, I mean, we had a twenty-four hour police protection in the town, and and we had to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, getting up uh, if getting up at uh, maybe ten p.m. and going to work at midnight was was hard to uh, was hard to accomplish. Uh, uh,
0: Is that what primarily your shift was, those eight to 10 years, was the night shift?
1: It was mostly uh, that shift, usually what we called a a midnight shift. Okay. Or uh, an afternoon shift, which usually ran from four o'clock until midnight. Those were bearable. Yeah. Um, And
0: uh, And was there significantly more activity in the at night that there was during the day mostly obviously yeah, yeah, in not. the afternoon yes in the usually, afternoon really usually
1: more the night shifts uh were sometimes very very boring hmm. um, i can't say that it was an exciting job <laughs> <laughs> it was mostly uh you know just being being on patrol being out there in case anybody called for an emergency or it was a fire or somebody needed an ambulance or uh, any occasional uh crime that might occur on that shift uh it was uh it was difficult to sometimes keep awake Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) and uh but we had to
0: yeah so eight to ten years you kind of had enough of the patrol life what what changed what what happened then
1: Well, during those uh, years, I, I just became more and more interested in uh, uh, forensics, in uh, fingerprinting, and photography, and uh, uh, doing uh, doing crime scene investigations mm-hmm. and, and things like that. and And I guess my uh, I guess it, it, my superiors saw that saw that I was interested in that, and they assigned me to do that sort of work. Mm-hmm. and uh, that led to uh, eventually uh, becoming a, a detective and uh, detecting crimes and then also doing the mm. the uh, forensic work. Mm-hmm. Um, and-
0: um, it, You, you like that better?
1: I liked that a lot better than just uh, being on patrol.
0: I'm guessing there's probably some stuff that you've seen that, uh, is that part of why you- You've always had trouble sleeping tonight. <laughs>
1: no, I'm having trouble tonight. Uh, no, I mean, uh, recently because the doctor tells me hey, this happens to old people. You get to, <laughs> you don't sleep well. Uh, so we're trying uh, different
0: different approaches to. Uh, but you've seen some stuff.
1: I have, and I. Uh, more, more dead bodies than I would uh, yeah. like to have seen, and not necessarily homicides or anything like that. Really? I mean, mm-hmm. we were, uh, uh, my town uh, had a, uh, uh, didn't have a lot of homicides, but uh, and if we did, the, uh, we had a specialized uh, homicide investigation group from mm-hmm. the county that came okay. in and sort of took over uh, that investigation. But I'm talking about uh, suicides, uh, mm-hmm. uh, people just being found dead in their homes, mm-hmm. uh, um, people dying of natural causes, uh, right. uh, whatever. Uh,
0: but still that, I mean, being around and seeing that, that sh- that shapes you a little bit, or I mean, that affects you. Or-
1: well, it, 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 it did, and, and, and uh, I, I, I can think about, uh, uh, not only dead people, people, but people who were dying and, and not doing anything about it. Hmm. Uh, for example, I, I went to uh, a house where a man who at that time was probably my age or just a little older, and he was dying of emphysema or something of that effect. And he was smoking hmm. in his bed with the oxygen. Uh, <laughs> right. you know, saying, you know you're dying, why, why are you doing this? You know, so... Uh, that was a little troublesome.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I would think being, you know, in in a situation where you're seeing life decisions that people are making, a lot of them because of, you know you're you're involved with them, a lot of them are not necessarily for their good or for the good of other people. And talk a little bit about how did you how did you try to keep from just being so hardened to that. I mean, because you, you mentioned that there were there was training for empathy and trying to to understand where people were coming from. was that, was that easy for you? Was that a challenge for you? Um,
1: it was probably uh, a little bit of a challenge, but not not that difficult. I uh, shortly into my career, I decided that I wasn't going to take my work home with me. Hmm. If, if it happened on my shift, um, I do what I can do, but then when the shift was over, I went home and.
0: But how did you do that? I mean, how did how you did tu- do how did you turn your head off? I, I guess I would think yeah. that would be pretty difficult.
1: Well, I'd I'd come home and my wife would often ask me, you know, what happened today, and I'd just say, I I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was hard for her. Yeah. Uh, and then I would, you know, maybe uh, do it. But I, when I say not take it home with me, I meant uh, not dwell on it. Yeah. not Think about it. I feel bad for these people, but uh, it's going to happen again tomorrow to somebody mm-hmm. else, and I can't. Uh, I can't save the world. Hmm.
0: <laughs> Was that hard for you? I mean was there a point I know you kinda of got into police work a little bit backwards, like it wasn't this great and glorious I'm gonna become a police officer, but was there a time where you were thinking I'm gonna do I'm gonna do great things for people and and kinda of reality hit you in the head? Not that you didn't do great things for people, but it it's a big world. <laughs> well I
1: realized that I, I Again, I couldn't do great things for everybody. I mm-hmm. did uh, what was re- well, what was expected of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I like don't like to use the word required of me because sure. uh, it makes it sound cold. But uh,
0: well, and you, they weren't forcing you to. I mean, you yeah. you embraced the role. Yeah.
1: The uh, the work was. Uh, The work was not that difficult to handle, I, I can say that. Uh, um, it was frustrating sometimes, and I felt empathy or sympathy for people a lot mm-hmm. of times. Right. Uh, but I knew that it wasn't gonna change much if, if, if I got all upset about it. Mm. If somebody got seriously injured in an automobile accident, for example, uh, you know, people would be, uh, other people would be running around, uh, uh, pulling their hair out, so to speak, and uh, uh, wondering uh, why I was keeping calm. Mm-hmm. And, and then they'd had to understand that if I wasn't calm, mm-hmm. uh, then the whole situation
0: would go to right. He was to gonna Who
1: was going to be? Who was somebody had to be calm, right? Uh, and that's what's what what is a policeman's job is to uh, maintain. Uh, a scene, and uh, you know, people. If they don't see you getting excited, they think you're not interested or not concerned. Hmm. But that that isn't the case.
0: Interesting. Well, that's a yeah. good word. I mean, that's a good perspective. I think yeah. because today, especially with so much more of a proliferation of video capacity, not only media-wise but just people's cell phones, you know, it it almost puts the officers, I would think, on performance. I mean, they're on stage trying to do their job and you you get people who are looking at officers and and maybe saying why don't you do more why don't you get you know why don't you do something and it's it's a good reminder i think of what a police one of the police officers jobs is to maintain the scene remain calm calm.
1: yes um, it's uh the the proliferation proliferation of uh, cameras everybody's got one now right. and everybody knows what everybody's doing mm-hmm. uh, uh, in some ways that's good uh, uh, because uh, you know there you know I've been accused of doing or saying something that mm-hmm. I know I never did or said mm-hmm. you know and having a camera there would have would have helped would have helped uh, but then it came down to your word against mine. Mm-hmm. You know? So, but, you know, the uh, police don't uh, particularly like being filmed while they're working. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, everybody makes a little mistake here or there. You, mm-hmm. you try to fix it, but uh, if it's caught on camera, everybody sees it.
0: Right. And, and help me with this too, Joe. I mean, they're. I'm. I've always grown up with the both in terms of the way I was raised. The police officers I knew. Of course, I grew up in a tiny town in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, um, mm-hmm. and so you know we 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 knew who the officers were. We were on a first name basis in many regards. It's not because of anything we did. It's just that you know I might have gone to high school with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I know. I guess in my mind, there's. I've always had the perspective that. I think it, in general, a policeman has the good of those he's called to serve and protect in mind. And there's a couple of bad apples that ruin it, ruin that perspective. Would you, was that true for you? Would you say that that's similar now? Is, is that accurate?
1: I worked with uh, a lot of cops for a long time. And I'd have to say that... Uh, Most of them were good cops. Hmm. And uh, I want to clarify the good, though, in a minute. Okay. And and a few of them... I didn't... I came across two uh, crooked cops. Hmm. Just two in my...
0: And they were with you on your... Nearby. Nearby, nearby. okay.
1: Um, One... I still don't believe it to this day. I knew the guy, and he robbed the bank. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. Took his gun, went into a bank, and took the money. I imagine he went to jail, but I, I never heard anything about it. Mm-hmm. Another guy was working, and he was sort of a a pedophile. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was soon found out and, and, and gotten rid of and, and, if there, and most bad cops, I mean, the, especially today and even then, uh, if there are complaints about a cop, I mean, he's going to be investigated. They're going to be looked at. Hmm. If there are any bad cops, they're not going to last long. Okay. Um, now, we talked about uh, good cops. Mostly uh, they were moral, conservative people. Um, and I'll use the word bad for some cops and not not in the respect that they were crooked it was just bad
0: cops <laughs> they just didn't do it well they didn't do it okay. well
1: right they or they were just lazy or, mm. or they just ignored a lot of things mm-hmm. uh, they came to work uh, hopped in their patrol car and it didn't seem for eight hours you know unless, mm. unless you called them out on something right and uh, there were some like that that just wanted to get their paycheck. Mm. But sometimes they had to work, and, yeah. and, 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 but-
0: uh, It would seem that, if you're just going for a paycheck, yeah. there might be something else you could find to do that is yes. <laughs> somewhat less yeah. life-threatening, perhaps less right. demanding, I don't know, I mean.
1: But uh, th- that's what I would consider a bad cop, right? as opposed to a criminal cop. right? Uh, and, and I didn't see many uh, crooked cops, but I did see some bad cops. Mm. Uh, bad in the, in their um, in their efficiency. Yeah. That way.
0: Now you told me at church mm. um, on Sunday that because you came to faith, you came to Christ later in life yeah. after your time as a as an officer as a detective, and you you said that you wished. I think I got this quote right because I thought about it for a mm. long time. You wished you could apply. You could have applied then to law enforcement, to your work in law enforcement, what you know now Mm. as a Christian. And I guess, can you share more about, I mean, tell us a little bit about your testimony and how you came to Christ, but then also, what do you mean by that? Like, what would you have, how would you have been a different cop, a different detective if you had known Christ then? You thought you were a Christian.
1: I thought I was a Christian. Right. I wasn't. Um, Well, I just know... uh, that I would have treated people better Mm. than I did. Now, I'm not saying I treated people badly. right? And I'm not saying I was a a nasty cop or anything Mm. like that. I'm just saying that there are times when I could have been more empathetic, Mm. uh, compassionate, uh, patient,
0: Mm. uh,
1: slow to anger, just a, a gentleness that I don't think that I pursued that much hmm. I did what I had to do sure and I didn't do anything basically wrong but I just didn't have those attributes that I've uh, only learned from being a, a policeman and I'm not from being a, from being a Christian mm-hmm. uh, the one um, a verse I look at often is Colossians three twenty three, where it talks about uh, working for the Lord. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart, mm-hmm. as That's if working for the, for the Lord. When I found that, I I knew that I hadn't always done that. Mm. Uh, I gotta say I slacked off from time to time. Uh, if I was tired, a bad day, uh, you know, sure. take my patrol car and go. Sit behind a building somewhere and just do nothing, hmm. you know. Um, but treating people uh, better than I, I know I did. Hmm. Even the bad guys. Uh, uh, I don't know where else to go with that, but mm-hmm. uh, that's that's pretty much uh, you know how I treat people every day today. Um,
0: uh, it's impacted by what by your faith
1: by my faith I don't
0: uh, uh, just tell us about I mean you grew up going to church
1: I did I went to church I went to a Catholic church with my uh, parents uh, when I was younger Um, when I uh, when I got married my wife was a Protestant and then uh I didn't change because of her, but be, but I, I did start going to church with her, and I, was listening and hearing things that I'd never heard before,
0: hmm. uh,
1: and I, I thought that was, something I should hear.
0: Hmm. Well, I should d- give me an example.
1: Um, give you an example. Grace, for example, the whole concept of grace and, uh, and and Jesus Christ and. Uh, um, in, in working for the Lord. Uh, it seemed to me that the, uh, and, and I don't want to offend any Catholics, but uh, seemed to me that there was uh, a very little uh, Bible reading, Bible study, uh, Bible uh, learning in church, uh, gospel mm-hmm. learning in church. Now uh, again I don't want to offend anyone but because I know that the Catholic Church has uh, improved in those areas. They do uh, preach. and uh, But at the time, in fact, uh, when I was a kid, uh, the, the masses were still Latin. Mm. I had no idea what was going on. Right. Um, some people like that, and I, I don't know what their what they're thinking, but uh, they're learning something and they're getting something from it. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I had to, uh, I had to do something. Mm -hmm. I realized that I was not Mm -hmm. a Christian. I had not accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior at that time, Uh, and I thought that my goodness would save me. Mm
0: -hmm. We'll talk more about that when you say your goodness, Were you a good kid? Were you a good 20-something? Were you a good... What, what do you think of when you yeah, think of your...
1: I know, what do you think of when you goodness? Uh, well, I, was, I wasn't a thief, I wasn't a murderer, I wasn't a, a criminal, put it that way. I was, I was good. I uh, followed the rules. Uh, uh, you know, I went to church. Uh, most of the time I had no idea what
0: was going on. I just mm-hmm. went there to... Even after your family? Like apart from your family, really? Okay.
1: Yeah, I'd go and I thought it was like the expected thing for me to do
0: because it it was the good thing to do. It was a good thing to do.
1: Yeah, didn't hurt. Uh, Occasionally, I picked up some tidbits of information, uh, and I I hate to even admit this. I don't even know why I'm telling you. The police chief and the mayor and some of the counselors, uh, commissioners, they went to this church that I went to. And when when I think about it, I often went so that they can see me there. Mm. And I feel really bad about that.
0: Hmm. Even now?
1: Even now. What was I thinking? You know? Uh, I thought this would improve my Chances for promotion, maybe, or yeah. a career, but it didn't.
0: <laughs> it well, didn't. It, I mean, I, it's understandable in the sense that we all, at least as I think about it in my own life, I, I don't know if I've ever had a pure motive in my life. And <laughs> so, I mean, even going to church or, you know, going for a variety of reasons, I think God sees through all that and yes, he yes. he's thankfully he sees our our good intentions as well as our more screwed up ones and somehow you know by his grace you know. as you as you've said there's there's mercy for that but I
1: don't I don't know why he pursued me but he did hmm.
0: um, and what did that look like he pursued you like how did how did you know he was after you yeah. as the the so-called hound of heaven is the uh,
1: when, uh... When I moved to upstate New York, uh, I started going to a, a little country church. And this
0: was after you retired? After I retired. Okay.
1: Little country church, uh, 30, 40 people maybe. Hmm. Uh, pastor was probably, uh, it was called a community church. Pastor was probably a Baptist and uh, and he was, and he preached. Hmm. And I listened to him and I said, I'm hearing the gospel now. Hmm. This is the gospel. Where? What have I been listening to? Uh, and I, I, you know, we, I talked to him a lot and we, we talked about these things. And um, I had uh, at that time just uh, finished reading this uh, group of books, or, called uh, Left Behind mm-hmm. if you remember them, Tim LaHaye and sure. uh, Jerry Jenkins uh, and after reading them um, you know, whether this uh, rapture is a real thing or not I'm still not sure about that but uh, people were left behind because they were good people mm. but they didn't know Christ mm. and so I went to my pastor and I I said, you know, I read these books, and uh, I'm having some trouble. I'm uh, listening to you, and I'm I'm hearing the gospel maybe for the first time, and uh, I think I would be left behind.
0: Hmm.
1: I would be one of those people. Well, uh, I guess. Uh, I remember him getting a little excited because now he's got a, a prospect to work on. <laughs>
0: His Baptist kicked in. Yes. he.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, we're gonna... So we went and uh, I met with him weekly and mm. he did discipleship classes. We did Bible studies. Uh, um, I just started... Uh, Listening, uh, or reading—I uh, no, should say—I did read the Bible. Mm-hmm. I read it um, from front cover to back cover. Mm-hmm. Just read it. Took me about a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, "Oh, this is going to help me." When I got done, I knew a little more than I did when I started. Oh. I realized that, uh, you know, it's not a novel. You, you just. Can't read it that way, right. and that's what. It, so I was missing everything. <laughs> uh, that's when I started listening to uh, people with more experience than me, listening to com- uh, committed Christians uh, mm-hmm. about their testimony and their and and their their take on on on, on the Christianity and, and their and um, listening to. Uh, Podcasts, mm-hmm. and, uh, preachers on the radio. I uh, I still to this day have a, and I add to it, uh, what do you call those little D V No, little drives that you stick in there. Yeah, the USBs. <laughs> USB drive sure. loaded with uh, hmm. sermons. And I listen mostly to uh, R.C. Sproul, uh, Tim Keller, uh, and a few others. Mm-hmm. And I listen to their sermons. And I listen to them over and over, sometimes, mm. till I get it, until mm. I finally get it.
0: It's so interesting to me, Joe. that You've you finished your career. You're in your 60s. Yet there's there's this. I mean, the, the amount of humility that God gave you there, just to just to be open and and interested. You don't really find that with a lot of of folks in that no I mean no that, that's such a that's such a powerful thing to think about
1: I knew I was missing something huh okay and I, and I knew I wasn't uh, I didn't have it uh, before and when I thought I was a Christian and 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 when uh, the pastor that was that I was working with uh, he uh, we, we, we had I had listened to a lot of people give their testimony Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were instantaneous, like a lightning bolt, you know, something like that. Uh, My conversion took about a year and slowly. Hmm. And sometime, sometime in 2003, uh, at age 60, I was born again. Hmm. It was the the best time of my life. Hmm. I learned something and uh, I, uh, it sticks with me I don't. Uh, it's not something we'll ever lose mm. Jesus found me mm. God found me uh, yeah I pursued them a little but I think God pursued me he mm. knew what I needed mm. and and from then on uh, it's just been a constant uh, uh, learning experience mm. when we moved to Bozeman uh, I left that little church and uh, said, "How am I ever going to find a nice, <laughs> another place like that?" And well, uh, sure enough, we passed by the Trinity sign uh, mm. on Cottonwood and went in and listened and learned and uh, found out that they were preaching the gospel also.
0: Hmm. So, so you've been at Trinity the whole time. You've the been whole time, in, yeah. We it went was to about one, ten years, right?
1: Yeah, we went to one other church, uh, uh, a Lutheran church there on. Uh, interesting <clears throat> nothing wrong with it I sure. just uh, it wasn't my type of thing mm-hmm. uh, and when I found Trinity uh, I was so happy mm. uh, my wife was happy we we've met a lot of people uh, there and uh, I say most of our social uh, uh, gatherings are with people from church mm-hmm. uh, in fact it, it's it, it's 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 interesting that they One of my best friends now from the church is also from New Jersey, (laughs) Frank. Frank, sure. Frank Valeriano, (laughs) yes. Um, And uh, yeah, we like to to kid about it. Uh, We (laughs) we we talk New Jersey once in a while, and uh, (laughs) uh, so that that that's just uh, you know full circle there.
0: So some of what you're involved in now through trinity um obviously you know you, you're a member of the church though that took some that took some doing <laughs>
1: well yeah I, I i was there for maybe a year before i decided to yeah. become a member i i don't know why it took so long i just
0: well no i mean rightly so you want to consider what you're what you're committing yourself to yeah and, to and the I,
1: and i did um yeah, uh, you know I've been involved with the church. I went on a mission trip to Nicaragua. Mm. Uh, I tried to go on another one, <laughs> and uh, my doctor mm. uh, vetoed it. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yes. I had just had two back surgeries, and uh, I was looking at a hip surgery, and uh, he said, "I don't think you should go to Nicaragua."
0: The second time. <laughs> the second time. Okay. Yeah. And you're involved with love inc which is Lungy, the you. for those who don't know love inc is a collection of i think it's now at 44 churches yes. here in bozeman who are all part of supporting both in terms of funds as well as people to uh to help with diaconal needs that really i think impacts those who need them loving the uh, folks come to them looking for help and uh, churches in, in addition to their own diaconal ministries or do what are some things you've done for loving well
1: I, I wish i could do more but uh, i right now i, I make deliveries of yep. food to people in need i uh i make wooden crosses hmm. uh, that i give to love inc and they distribute them because carpentry
0: is a hobby yes
1: yes and i uh i think i make some pretty nice crosses and i and then i give them out hmm. um there was a, in the beginning, I was doing a little more heavier lifting, um, furniture and things mm-hmm. like that. But I, just can't do it
0: anymore. Oh come I, on, you're eighty. I mean, what well, do you, what are you thinking? I'm only eighty. So <laughs> I'm only eighty. I
1: told them I, you know, I, I, I have to ease off a little bit. I helped with the uh, the clothing uh, mm-hmm. distribution. Uh, yeah. And I uh, do the, I do mailings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Things I can do. Yeah, whatever it is.
0: Well, that's significant. I mean, just just the fact that you're still engaged and involved, and of yes. course, you know, with I know that lots of people in the church know you. My my girls know you. Hmm. They they they're pretty big Joe fans. So. Are they really? They are. I, yeah. I did
1: speak at their group once. Yeah. Uh,
0: um, I mean it. It's it's stuck with them. So.
1: Yes, and I wish I could do more. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, I'm
0: 80. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, let me get your take on just a kind of blitz through a couple of different things. You know, I'm interested. And again, uh, just in your your opinion, your perspective, uh, I've written about this before. I know that you have read the newsletter and, um, you know, I, I, I cover a lot of different things and try to come at it from not so much a political perspective, but more of a, a, a biblical common sense perspective uh, as we think about it, but um, you know, you're you've you've seen some you've seen some things in the course of your life. Um, one of the biggest things that people are talking about now, probably more so than any time in history. I mean, it's a cycle. We all have been through this cycle for the last twenty five years, it seems. But with regard to things like uh, how violent society has become, how police forces have to keep up, have almost become, you know, more military than than police. I don't know what the exact word is there, but in terms of local law enforcement, the gun debate is always something that, um, you know, we're we're trying to, to figure out as a, a society. How do you think about that? Uh, you know, what... What are your thoughts on on some of that? Just honestly, and again, I'm not I'm not worried about offending anyone, and I'm not worried about convincing anyone. But I'm I'm just curious what you think in your 80 years. How do you How do you process that?
1: Well, you know, big cities are going to have their problems uh, more so than places like uh, Bozeman. And, sure, uh, and but uh, you know, Bozeman is growing; it's becoming a a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, I think we heard about a homicide just last week. Right, um, and there have been a few, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the Bozeman police uh, do a fine job, as far as I can see. Uh, they're on top of things, uh, and uh, but getting to the uh, you know the guns and the, the violence. Uh, oh, I think you know when I was working, there was always violence. There was always riots and you know i remember the, i remember the 60s and the, mm. the 70s when uh, hippies were running around and, and, and uh, protesting the war in vietnam and and and, and making a lot of trouble um,
0: did you see that in new jersey where the, you were
1: yes uh, the uh, the familiar thing uh, you know every time somebody passed a police car they give us the peace sign you know that was uh <laughs> I guess it was like giving you the finger. Actually, you know, <laughs> uh, and but yes, I, I don't recall mass shootings. Mm. That that seems to be that's a some, new thing. Something I can't even comprehend. Uh, we uh, in, in schools, in workplaces, uh, mm-hmm. this is uh, it's outrageous. Uh, and I don't know that it's well. If it's the police, the the average policeman's job to, to try to prevent that. How, how what, what information does he have to uh, mm-hmm. to do that? Uh, we talk about red flag laws, and uh, yeah, if we could uh, uh, find uh, see a person who is uh, uh, acting crazy, and, uh, and 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 we can pick them up and and bring them somewhere but there's nowhere to bring them we don't have insane asylums anymore Mm. Uh, in fact if you if you pick people up and I remember from the from the 70s and 80s uh, they stopped uh, people were walking the streets and they're they're obviously out of their mind but uh, they were told to just leave them alone Mm. they 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 have their rights Mm -hmm. Um, no matter what they were doing, uh, unless they were being a danger to themselves or others, uh, they wanted to be on the street. That's that was their their idea. We knew very well they were they they didn't belong there, and they they should be treated somewhere. But uh, you know, you pick somebody. What does the policeman do? He sees a crazy person, and he wants to do something about it, but. Uh, if he does, then he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there's no, uh, there, there's not much uh, for him to do except report it to some authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kid with the with the thing in Yvaldi, uh, is it? Uh, yeah. Everybody knew he was a little nutty. Uh, but you can't, you know, you can't arrest somebody for being nutty. <laughs> if you did, uh, so you know, where, where's the, where's the line? Where's the, where's the point where uh, you can uh, um, actually take somebody into custody? And it's usually if they're endangering someone or right. themselves, and if you can get to them before they really? kill people. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. I'm glad I don't have to figure it out. Mm. Um, but uh, as far as the, the gun controls and, and, and all that, I, I'm i a firm believer in the Second Amendment, uh, although I have to say I do believe that certain people shouldn't have guns. Uh, how do you make that determination, though?
0: Well, how when you say that, because I'm, I'm of the same perspective. I mean, I, I believe in the Second Amendment I've read some, and I pulled a few statistics out. As much as I believe in 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 the person's right to defend themselves with a weapon, and everybody I know, I wrote about this a couple weeks. I don't know if you saw it in the in the post, but everybody I know who is a, a a gun owner, they're the people that you want to own guns because they're responsible. They take very seriously what they're doing. I've I've never you know at church we we have you know people who are as part of our security team that was the first time I'd ever seen that when (laughs) I came to Bozeman and I was I was kind of surprised I thought oh come on this is kind of overkill isn't it Mm -hmm. but at the same time there is a security I mean we have a U.S. senator who attends there you know I suppose to some degree our church could be a target in that regard I've never felt threatened in that regard but when you think about The number of uh, this is from a a, um, from a World Magazine, which is a conservative magazine. They put out a really good chart of called a gun owning nation, and I'll put it on the website so that uh, with this post, everybody can see it. But you know, there's the number of civilian firearms per 100 Americans is 120. So for every hundred Americans, there are 120 guns.
1: I, I read that and I found that hard to believe, but uh, <laughs> right,
0: right, and it's it's by far the highest rate in the world, and and there is an element, even despite our Second Amendment, I think rights that it, I believe in, we're just a wash in, in, in in guns, you know, and thing, and, and they the only thing a gun is designed for is to do damage. Right. You know, and you know that better than I do as a, as a former policeman and detective, but, um, but, uh, but like you, I'd look at it and try to figure out how do we, you, you can have the red flags law, red flag laws, and those didn't work in Highland park, you know, with this over the 4th of July weekend, mm-hmm it's just one of those things where I think we just really underestimate the depravity of people. And again, it's, it's not that there's not, it's not looking at people and just accusing everyone of being depraved though, you know, being the good Calvinist, if there is such a, such a thing, you know, I would say that, but I think we, we get so, we, we, I, I'm frankly surprised we don't see more, even than what we're seeing, because of the depravity of the human heart. And in my, from my perspective, it's God's mercy that that we we haven't seen even more than we've seen. And I hate seeing what we see, but I just I'm like you. I don't know what the expectation is in terms of how a police force or a society can anticipate that. I mean, it's going to happen. It's
1: going to. And I, I would guess, I would just guess that these people who are doing these shootings are not Christians. Sure. Um, a Christian wouldn't do that. An right. Actual Christian, not somebody nominal Christian, right. but an actual Christian would not do that. Uh, so uh, there's, there's also the uh, the uh, the push uh, to. Demean Christians in, in the in the popular liberal press and so on, and and I don't know why. Uh,
0: well, some of it doesn't it come out of some of the the Christian nationalism, which I think is there is an element of that that is that is dangerous to our country in that it's it's this really dangerous uh, cross section between. You know, America and Jesus, um, and and there tends there there tends to come with that a little bit of a uh, certain. You could even call it an idolatry. I think I called it that a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. In terms of of you know, God, guns, and 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 that, and I think that is a danger. I think that's something that that we you know the Christian community really needs to evaluate and think through a little bit as to what degree are we transferring our allegiance from christ to uh, to country
1: to worldly things yeah so yes. i and i uh, i fear that myself i uh, i struggle with that to mm-hmm. not be worldly mm-hmm. uh to uh, you know i watch tv and read books and so on and i i know i know that, uh, some of the characters are are worldly, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know I shouldn't uh, subscribe to that. And, and in most cases, I don't. Uh, I'm old enough, smart enough to to see through it. But mm-hmm. uh, are our children mm-hmm. able to get through? Um, but I I remember uh, doing a crime prevention uh, lecture uh, to a group of people, and now. Uh, some of them have been burglarized uh, mm-hmm. sometime in the in the past, and they asked me, uh, "Should I get a gun?" Mm. Well, uh, I, I said, "No, I don't. I don't think you should, uh, mm. f- for several reasons. One, in order to for your gun to be effective, you have to have it in your bedstand and loaded. Mm-hmm. In which case, it's more likely that somebody in your household is going to get injured mm. with that gun." And if you want to protect yourself from burglary by having a gun, that isn't going to work either because burglars don't come into the house when people are there. That's the nature of burglary. They Mm. come into an empty house. They're going to find a gun in your nightstand, and they're going to have it out and pass it around to other criminals. So Mm. I I tell them, no, I don't think you should have a gun Mm. for that reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, I hope that made sense to some of them. Uh, And uh, yeah, I've known uh, a couple of families where a gun was in the house and a child got a hold of it Mm -hmm. and devastating effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's uh, a person who has a gun should know how to use it, should be trained, uh, but there's no, I don't think there's any requirement. Uh, that that be done according to the Second Amendment. I know right here in Montana, though, uh, I do have a concealed carry permit, and uh, uh, most people that that are allowed that permit do have to go through a training course. Mm-hmm. So.
0: And most people who do have that, I don't know if they're required to, but by their own choice, they tend to continue to train. Yes, you know they'll they go out and they work on on doing yeah, that yeah. And, you know that, that's the thing that's so frustrating is maybe it is different certainly living in Montana or Bozeman than Chicago and obviously it is or New Jersey or New York the, the people I, I just I, I wish people could know the people that we know who do such a careful job with how they they think about you know what they what they do with a gun yeah because we're talking about two different groups of people and um but i also get the, the critique and and i appreciate it that you know we in america are awash with weapons and we're a violent people and we're not the most violent in the world i mean you there's statistics and i think we're we're like 59th in the world which might surprise some people but at the same time this mass shooting thing that we've seen in the last 25 years, and I, I was living in Colorado Springs when Columbine happened, and I just remember that. And I've got a book that I that I've held on to. It's a it's a 600 page book just detailing you know all of what happened. It's just called Columbine. But um, I just I don't know. We've we just got to keep praying and asking God to have mercy that we can get to some of these folks. With with what is really what they need, it's the gospel, Right. And, and to be able to to get to them and to so that they can have that experience that you had, that sense of purpose of God getting hold of you, and bringing real redemption and meaning to their life, because more laws is not going to do it. No, we have enough laws, and uh, uh,
1: these folks that. Uh... As I understand it, anyway, they, they're looking for attention of yeah. some kind. They're either rejected in some other way, and now they—I don't know what what the thinking is. But uh, if they kill a few people, then everybody will know about them. Right. It's uh, such a horrible way to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Joe, I really appreciate all your your thoughts, and it's just great getting to know you a little bit better. And I just really am thankful for your life and. The fact that ours have crossed paths here in in Bozeman, yeah. I got to sit b- sit by you be or sit behind <laughs> you at church yesterday and or Sunday, and um, I just really appreciate all that God's done in your life, and thanks for thanks for your service as a policeman, as a detective, as someone committed to a local community for as long as you were. I mean that that's that's noble and admirable, and I I hope we. I hope we have more policemen like you who uh, serve the way that you have.
1: Well, from what I can see in our local police department uh, in Bozeman, which I met a few of them, and, mm-hmm. and they all seem like decent, hardworking, uh, respectable
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for the time. I appreciate it, and uh, I hope to uh, hope to be able to pick your brain more on some of this as we go on. So, Thank you. Thanks, Joe.